You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom Brocho. This is, on principle, Challenges in Jewish Education, special election program with my sort of regular uh, guest, uh, it, definitely a, uh, a person that I don't wouldn't call regular, although I think that's what um, uh, your size, I think you're wearing a regular size now, you're not wearing extra large, you know, or large. You're definitely a, 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 a slim down, uh, wonderful regular guy, Rabbi John Kroll of SAR. So we're right in the shadow of election, John. Um, and I sort of can't help but be drawn back once again uh, to my first period of uh, interaction with you in a professional way, uh, which was in 2008, when uh, we were, that was where my, my, my uh, SAR days. Change. Yeah. And I remember the incredible, exciting atmosphere there of uh, the election. And as much as, you know, the election was happening in the streets and in the city and this, all over the country, there was also uh, an election that was going to take place at school. And there was an excitement there. And I, I, I came to understand that in SAR and a, a bunch of other New York schools, uh, and I remember, of course, kids did this. Uh, it, it, I remember in elementary schools, but it seems like it's a pretty um, standard practice and a lot of the yeshiva day schools and high schools to have an election and to have the kids vote and to, and that day there's actually a big announcement about who won. Um, and I remember that, uh, in 2008, as you said, change, there was, uh, everyone seemingly was, uh, well, it was an overwhelming, uh, sense of, of, of involvement. Although none of the kids could actually vote, for Barack Obama. And um, I remember us talking about this and how when I found out about what was going on and where my son was going to school at that time in JC uh, and other schools, SAR was sort of in a different, was different because in the other Orthodox yeshivas and schools, uh, John McCain was actually uh, the winner uh, in those uh, mock elections. And it indicated to me that uh, your school, uh, in many ways, reflected much more um, what we call, I guess, the the standard democratic liberal base, and um, there was an excitement among the staff as well about the election. So now, as we are coming to 2020, seems like a whole different universe since 2008. Uh, I understand, John, and you've shared with me that once again, there's going to be a a big election day in school. And um, you, uh, as the principal, you're overseeing this. You are the, uh, I guess, the the head of the board of elections there. And uh, I know for people who, who aren't involved perhaps as intimately as you are, maybe you can talk a little bit about, and we'll maybe talk about the letter that you sent, uh, uh, the significance of what is, what is really gained by this. Obviously, these, these, are, these are students, maybe your seniors are a year away from actually being registered voters. Your ninth graders are four or five years away from it. Um, what is really gained by, by bringing the school into this and having this event, especially, let me just add in terms of the question, especially when 
as you know, there's 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 very strong fault lines uh, in this election between people who would support Donald Trump and and, and Joseph Biden, Joseph Robinette Biden. I'm not sure what Donald J's middle name is, but won't doesn't having the election in school um, isn't that sort of like a almost a, an excuse for some of those those tensions to perhaps um, if not explode but be realized in a place that maybe should be just all about learning and and the three R's. So tell us about yeah. what, go ahead. All right. I'll give you, I'll share a couple of thoughts about that, first of all. And it's always a pleasure to be he- with you uh, here on principle. Not only I enjoy, of course, listening to all the podcasts, but to uh, be on the podcast myself. It's a, it's a, it's a big honor. So thank you for having me. Always an honor to be here with the host and curator, um, <laughs> the host and curator himself. Um, and that's, uh, I appreciate that. Listen, it, the, um, and I have to say, I appreciate all the, the – you are a very uh, popular fellow on our show. In fact, people are still downloading uh, athletic shorts for, which oh. was for a couple of months ago. And it's even, quite possible. They just don't know what they're getting when they you – know, <laughs> the title they might think, be a little too captivating. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It might be some uh, – it might, might be Tommy John's. You never know. Yeah. Go ahead. The, the – um, uh, I'll tell you like this. There, there's definitely a tremendous amount of polarization. I think there was polarization – um, in the 2016 elections, um, as well as this year. And I think it's, it's heightened, certainly, this year. And, um, yeah, is there a risk of creating increased tension? Of course, there is a risk of creating increased tension. But we tried – the goal here is to be able to not just have an election on, you know, uh, on Tuesday for the students, but it's also to have – sort of programming and education leading up to the election, doing our best to help kids kind of vote about what issues are rather than just see this as a referendum on two, you know, personalities. Um, But to think about what sort of, you know, issues are behind each person um, and the parties that the, you know, the the, the Republicans and the Democrats are, are, are representing. Now, is that going to be completely successful? I don't think so. Will it tip? Will it move the needle a bit in trying to talk to kids about how to think about themselves as like engaged citizens? I hope so. Um, will we? You know, listen. Uh, I, I, it's the question of having a, a an election on Tuesday. Like, what's the goal of it? It there are money goals. One goal is to create the sense of you know, engage citizens to see yourself as somebody who can make a difference. Um, Ultimately, most of us know that however you vote in New York is probably not going to make all that much of a difference. Nope. Um, But it does also, you know, kind of it helped that kind of conversation. um, And noticing that also helps people talk about things like how the Electoral College works. So around the entire enterprise of voting, it pushes students in the direction of being able to have meaningful conversations about what it means to be an educated citizenry in the United States. That's one. Um, a second, a second thing. So, so just, just let me just yeah. interject here as is my uh, habit. So in yes. other words, if they would not engage in this 
fake or fall voting, then they wouldn't be invested. It's almost like, uh, you know, you, you have to have a raffle uh, to raise money. You have to have an event for people to be involved. If you, yeah. didn't, if you didn't have the pomp and circumstance around, hey, we're having a vote, then the issues of what does it mean in our country to have a vote would ring hollow. It's only if you can somehow have this mimicked aspects yes. that it actually makes it more real makes it feel a little more real listen the other, the other piece is as you sort of mentioned before when you talked about the 2008 and again you and i were both there in 2008 um i was there you know i was not there in 2016 i was living in florida at the time so i did not you know experience like what it was like in new york i tend to um you know imagine that the kind of reaction in Florida was a different reaction than the reaction in New York. And you were right in saying that in the kind of like Riverdale area, definitely, you know, leans more Democrat than the typical kind of, you know, I'd say Orthodox, uh, you know, space does nowadays. Um, I think you're right about it. I wouldn't, I say it does not mimic, I think, what the, what the uh, kind of like overall Jewish population is trending towards voting um, much, much more uh, predominantly Democrat, but I think it is more than the typical Orthodox world. I wouldn't say it mimics the entire Jewish world writ large in terms of all the liberal denominations, but it definitely leans more Democrat than most uh, than many Orthodox areas. Now, what's interesting about it is I think one of the things that's fascinating is to actually see how the um, results work. To what extent um, does the student body represent um, New York voting? To what extent are the results going to be similar to what they are in New York? Are the results going to be similar to what they are in the United States? Are the results will be similar to what polling indicates um, is going on in the Jewish world? Those kinds of things are interesting. And to be honest, you know, I think, listen, do kids have their own minds and vote the, what they think the, you know, who they think is going to be a better uh, president and lead us to, you know, uh, making America great again or building America, building back better, whatever the slogan is that somebody might be voting for, to a large extent, it's what their parents are voting for, what they hear around their dinner tables. So, you know, that's also interesting. You get a sense as to uh, what a snapshot is of the uh, parent body, just as much as you might be getting a snapshot of the student body. Uh, so it's actually, this is sort of like it has a multifaceted aspect. On one hand, you're training them uh, to feel like involved citizenry and to be better citizens than perhaps who we have now and when when it's their turn to vote. But it's also a sort of way for you to get a, a sense of what the mindset of your student body is. And uh, it's a way for you to get another piece of data when you compare your percentages to the yes. greater percentages. Yeah, that's true. I also think, listen, there's another piece of it is like, you know, we send out, we can let parents know that the kids are going to be having this mock vote on Tuesday. It's the kind of thing that we hope will encourage conversations around the dinner table, the Shabbos table. And the hope would be that they're not going to be talking about like, you know, the what kind of whatever kind of negative ads you may see, you know, making fun of, Sleepy Joe did this. So what kind of, uh, you know, clever ads the Lincoln Project may be putting up in, you know, Times Square, as entertaining as those may be, you know, we'd hope that they would talk about, um, you so, know, different but, kinds of political issues. But th this should really, and I'm reading from your letter, 
that I have here up that we're, that we're screen sharing, that this was something that you've already been doing for a couple of weeks. You've been talking to the students in their, in their various classes, whether it's American history or, 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 or ethics or values class or philosophy. I'm not sure exactly which teacher would be teaching it. Um, you never know. It might be the American literature teacher teaching it. It might be uh, the Gemara teaching it. Bivrit, bivrit. Possibly, you know, I don't know if, you, if that's the way it's going to happen. That's a little dig on you. But the point, the point, the point, as long as the fonts are correct. But here's the thing. <laughs> Always goes back to the fontology. Yes, but, but here's the thing. Um, you, you've probably been doing this for, it probably, it had to have been done beforehand because, because the actual election uh, scuttlebutt and noise you're hearing is very not issue uh, related. Again, you know, from what I'm hearing, I, I'm not hearing about, and again, I'm not here to make Trump's case, but from what I'm hearing, and of course I'm hearing it, you know, perhaps filtered the wrong way, is, you know, uh, images of death, images of people being dead, you know, Trump is, is responsible, he's the Grim Reaper, um, you know, and, 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 and it's all so COVID-related. It seemed, you know, based on your letter, it sounds like you've actually been trying to make it issue oriented in terms perhaps of foreign policy in terms of, of of economic policy in terms of the issues of being tough on crime uh of 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 the border Uh, have those things been spoken about those things have been spoken about but you are right in noting that that's not what the biden campaign is trying to uh kind of trumpet because it's probably a better winning strategy <laughs> yeah. to focus on COVID. And That's so, right. you know, our job as educators is to kind of like educate about why the only thing you might be hearing is COVID and to be thoughtful about how campaigns work and how, you know, you know negative ads are very effective, but to also take a look at what some of the issues are. That's an important. That's like important. Again, uh, you know, is it gonna? Is it going to uh, result in you know uh, tremendous uh, political scholars who have uh, plumbed the depths of the each platform of each party? Maybe not, but hopefully, people will be able to talk a little bit intelligently about what different parties believe. Well, now, listen, as you say, the best way is to structure a society and promote the general welfare. And of course, also to uh, to enhance the grand conversation as well. So um, I hope again, if you if you're going to be able to accomplish this, then you've done something way better than what the average American voter is getting, right? Because in the debates as well, and I, I didn't watch the Kamala Harris Mike Pence debate, but my my sense is that even that was nothing, no great shakes compared to what you would like these students to know about different visions of governing, different visions of where the country could go, different visions of what does it mean to structure a society. And, you know, yeah, I, I, just, I just, I just actually wonder, goal. honestly, I yeah. just wonder because I, you know, I was part of your, your, your staff and I sort of know which way they lean. I wonder, you know, uh, you know, what sort of pills you had to give to some of your teachers to be able to enunciate the Trump policy. Listen, here, here's the story, you know, if I, if I can pull, if I can use some uh, Bidenisms. Here's the story. Here's the deal. Man. Let me tell you. Hey, man. The, um, 
here's the deal. Look, look, here's the deal. The, um, what happened was, again, I, as I said, I was not in SAR in 2016. Um, my understanding, um, kind of like at this point, kind of like talking to staff and about what it was like four years ago, I think there was um, a lot, a very sharp degree of polarization. And I think people had not really thought about um, how to manage as best as possible kind of having different viewpoints within the school community. And I think that there were, you know, my impression is that there were a number of people who were very high on Hillary and when Hillary lost, um, sort of like the tension between those who were upset about it and also those who were thrilled about a Trump victory and like the MAGA wearing hat make uh, kids like, you know, kind of like laughing at the, you know, uh, the kids who were crying because Hillary, that sort of like, you know, toxic tension, I think was, um, was really present. And I think people have learned from that and want and have been working hard in school to avoid that same sort of toxic environment and to sort of try to treat this much more um, kind of like, you know, almost like clinically. So, so I'm going to ask you two questions about this. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I, I don't really have a horse in the race. I just want to have something good to podcast about. But yeah. um, I'm, let's say that there are uh, some of the Manhattanites, some of the uh, grittier Manhattanites who go to the school aren't. And again, I'm, I'm just, I'm just guessing. You know, or some people who are really Trumpians, or people who, who their parents are talking about how pro-Israel Trump has been and how important that is. Um, you know, maybe people who are part of Robert Przansky's show and you know, and others who, who, who came out so strongly for Trump. I'm going to assume they're, they are the minority in, in SAR. What are you going to make sure that they aren't, uh, you know, hounded by uh, the Biden winner uh, squad? Are you going to make yeah. sure that whoever wins, we don't want in your face activity on Wednesday morning? Where- yeah, that's, listen, that's it. A- that is yes. The answer to that is yes. Listen, one of the interesting we t- here's the question we talked about. Like, listen, SAR does allow for a certain amount of like you know student expression. Here is a here is a question. Like, would you um, let's say Trump wins? Okay, is there a problem with students who would want to wear MAGA shirts or MAGA hats to school? The answer to that is no. He's the president of the United States. It's his, that's his thing. There would be you know, wrong to kind of like restrict, to restrict that. Um, would it be wrong for a teacher to do that? Yeah, it would be wrong for a teacher to do that. You know, and so to kind of create those expectations, I think is, is well, important. I, all I can tell you is in 2008, every, it was clear what was going on. The teachers were wearing their, uh, their love for Obama on their sleeves. And I'm sure, you know, so it, 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 I like the idea of teachers being neutral, um, I learned that. We said, yeah. yeah, we said to teachers, we had a meeting with teachers because this was an important thing to talk. We met, we had a staff meeting where we talked with teachers about how to talk about the election. What is off limits? What's on, you know, what's, what's out of bounds? What's not out of bounds? So we said we didn't want to make it like, you know, uh, outlaw a teacher view, say, expressing their own point of view if a student asked, uh, but we didn't want to make that a default. We said to teachers, um, there's no reason for teachers to share with their classes how they will be voting. Um, the default position should be 
if a student asks you um, who you're voting for, you should say to them, that's a private matter. Um, that being said, if you'd like to talk about it with your class, you may talk about it with your class. We don't well, want to like uh, yeah, I, I'm laughing here because I know that yeah. the, the, the perception is, and I'm not saying I disagree with the perception is that, that our country is in mortal danger. It's been in mortal danger since this man took over. You gotta know that there's gonna be big smiles on the faces. And when someone walks in with a big smile on their face, uh, what do you think? For sure. Listen, you're right and wrong. There are lots of people like that. There are plenty of people who don't like the, it's, it's not, I say this, there's a significant population of students for sure. And I think there's also a, you know, listen, I would say it's a sizable minority problem. My guess, my guess is I haven't really only talked to each other, so that's my hunch. There's a sizable minority of teachers who will be voting for Trump. Um, and those people um, would be upset with with a with a Biden with a Biden win. I don't think it's like a unanimous sort of thing. I'm not sure. That was my, my point. Think, is my point is I think John is that you're you know you're you're constructing something that won't work. I think people who the the people who are happy who believe America has been saved. Yes, I cannot tell you because it's my duty not to inform you who I voted for. But they're going to see from the big smiles on their faces. Some people, yes. Some are. people, no. Listen, yeah. there are people. The people, the, the the kids in school do have a sense as to who the you know the the Fabrenta liberals are, and they understand that. And they'll also know who the Fabrenta conservatives are who might be Trumpians. And then there's like a big uh, okay, 50% I, of people in the middle who they don't know about. I, I guess 2008 is where I'm remembering. And, and I think there was – and even I was caught up, and even though I never have never, I've never yet voted, the idea that America – it wasn't about Obama. It was about America moving yeah. beyond racism. Uh, that was the idea that I think which everybody was very happy about. One, let, let's talk about one other thing that, that the school has, and it's in the letter, and I forgot about that when I started speaking to you and I gave you the whole intro, is that actually uh, the students aren't going to have homework on Tuesday night because they're going to be watching the election results with the teachers together, right? That's right. That's so right. you want to talk, talk a little bit about that? Uh, about the, that. Um, yeah, so what we do is, again, it's not mandatory, but there's a um, there's a whole program. Usually, it's done in person, but alas, because of COVID, we cannot do it. So, listen, the Zoom is actually made to support something like this. There's a we call we used to call it in school return for the returns. And kids would come back to school at like eight o'clock at night and be in school watching the election returns till I don't know eleven, twelve o'clock. Who knows? Um, so we're doing that online through Zoom going to have different breakout rooms where we'll be broadcasting, kind of like screen sharing the uh, feeds. You can have a Fox News feed. You can have a CNN feed. You can have, um, there'll be, we're going to have, um, you know, the, what, uh, the head of the math department is going to be talking about uh, polling and statistics. And there's going to be different history teachers talking about electoral college and, um Kind of the history of uh, voting that's, in America. That's whole, great. That's a whole great. fun thing. A whole fun thing. Yeah. And kids can, the beauty of it on Zoom is that like you're going to get a much higher percentage of attendance because you can show up for five minutes. You don't have to drive to school and stay there for three hours. It's a big commitment. It's not a big commitment to turn on your computer and log on to Zoom for an hour and go or a half hour. 
Right, and as as you prove by uh, going on with me every month, so I, uh, I, I <laughs> you're right. It definitely is not that much, but 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 that I love that. That to me is probably better education than even. Yeah, I agree. That's not, I, I'm and I'm with you. I think there's more educational Cause, cause value you, in that because yeah. you're also teaching. You know, you could have a teacher schmoozing about the idiocy of the of the talking head on TV. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You're gonna. You, yes. and, and I think that's great. That's great. The media media literacy is a. Uh, is, very, is a very important piece of the education. But, but once Thank again, you. you know, I, I think it's a great thing, but you know that obviously if you spent, you were in the room with that teacher while the results were coming in and, and you know, clearly the teachers are going to, you know, reveal uh, at that point uh, what they're happy about and the excitement. Uh, uh, I'd say some, I'd say we'll see. I think that there are some who play hold the cards very close yeah, to the great, best. great. Very great. close. Uh, Not everybody. Some hold them very close to the rest. Yeah. Do you expect the Rebbeim to be doing this too? The the Gemara teachers and the uh, and the um, Homish teachers and whatever the. Yeah, is, I, I think if kids ask, they'll you know they can talk about some of the things. I don't expect that much conversation, frankly. Don't really. Uh-huh. Well, it sounds like again, you know, I I, I think that um, what would be interesting uh, mm-hmm. again is to is to get your statistics and then like not only. From the rest of New York, but also the other schools, maybe even the schools. Yeah. The schools that would be interesting. I, I would, you know, to me, you know, we talk about there's people who listen to this all over the world. Uh, your program and the program I do with you and program with others. So, the, but the people in the Northeast um, realize that there's a there's a number of big big schools, and it'll be interesting to see the same. Yeah, I think that, I agree with you. That's a good, it's an interesting thing to do. I can reach. I'd be interested in maybe reaching out Ramaz to colleagues. For example, my colleagues in other schools to get a sense as to what they're yeah, right. share right. their voting was. Right. Yeah, Ramaz, Ramaz and Frisch. Like, what are the subtle differences? Yes. Yeah, that's a great thing. Three guys. I think, think it would be a great listen, And then you can go um, go to some of the Long Island Yeshiva high schools. I think it would be a very different mm-hmm. – it would have a different uh, sense that you're going to have. You know, I think, I think that would be a really – I think it's a really interesting piece yeah. of data to collect, and I'd like. To, I'm going to move on that. That's interesting. Yeah. I like. Let me that. ask you. Let me say one last thing. And um, sure. Eighty-seven uh, percent, I think, um, is was the number that my 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 co-host Rabbi Bechoffer has on his uh, Facebook. Eighty-seven um, percent of Orthodox Jews uh, are planning to vote for Trump at this point. Uh, again, what the polls show. Um, mm-hmm. You are a, a school that isn't as um, blatantly bleeding Zionist as, as some of the other schools are. Um, even though I made that crack about Ivalit Bichlit, it's much more, I guess, of a uh, educational philosophy rather than it is, you know, Medina Tisrael, Uber Alice. Um, but, but it is very important, though. Uh, you have your um yeah i'm not sure I'd, i'm not sure i'd agree with that uh characterization i'm not yeah, but well, what i would say is what i would say is is that you know again there are certain schools that zionism is almost the the, the definition of the school uh, i think I, I think in sar you could have kids that are even against uh, the idea of, of of a jewish state possibly there and or would you very even, you're really an outsider yeah but but you could really you could but someone could even you could be a peter beinart B- type of guy and, and and still make yeah you probably yeah, would be on the outside i agree very much outside the pay but listen, uh, you, here's the thing 
there'd be a conversation about whether to let Bynard in and the answer might not be yes. Yeah. As opposed to other places where they wouldn't even have the conversation. That's what I mean. Maybe. That's what I mean. Yeah. What, I, what I mean is it's not it's not like the definition of SAR is we are an extension of Medina Cicero. But anyway, my point okay. it was just a long winded introduction. My point mm-hmm. is is that has there you know, when people make the case for Trump, and mm-hmm. I and we talk about the Long Island Yeshivas and other places, what you hear is for Israel, we don't want to have the daylight anymore that, that the mm-hmm. Obama administration uh, engendered. Uh, we want to have continued peace talks. Uh, look what happened with Bahrain and UAE. Um, has that Sudan? Sudan has that been uh, yeah. an aspect? I think yes. The answer to that question is yes. I think that is a um, you know that is a main reason why people in our community, I think, are are drawn to Trump is because if Israel is the primary um, sort of consideration in your vote, in your vote, um, you know, you, you know what you're getting at this point with Trump. And I think there's, uh, there's been, you know, definitely is perceived as being um, pro good for Israel. Um, and so I think that I think I think that certainly so, is so, so how a piece. Is, so how has that been neutralized? In other words, considering if, if, if you want to look at things in black and white, and I don't, but kids, and that's part of what SAR wants to do is to not see things so much black and white. How has that Listen, argument? I think, I, how has that yes, argument like, been made? So I think I think I think you'll have a lot of people who people who will see the uh, see it as um, you know, Trump is good for Israel and therefore people will vote for Trump. I also think that a lot, I think, so I, I think what's going to happen is that's why you will have a decent number of Trump voters. It's my gut, it's my gut. But I also think that what you have is somebody like Biden who is, you know, you know perceived as being a more moderate middle of the road um, Democrat, not somebody from the more progressive side of the Democratic Party, and therefore is considered to be somebody who's definite, who's more, you know, mainstream, uh, kind of like bipartisan support of Israel. Even if it's not exactly the way Trump was, you're, there are more issues to be concerned with than just the support of Israel. I think that's what the Biden uh, folks would, would tell you. Um, you know, listen, yeah. And that might be, and that might be something very interesting for your students to learn. Sure. Because they now have to think about this dual uh, fealty. You know, the country will be better. True, things might be harder in terms of Israel support, but maybe the world will be better. Maybe America will yes. be better. So yeah, that's that sort of that sort of complexity and thought is a good thing to try to promote in you know young young adults. I would just throw in another thing, which is what if I was, you know, you can always ask me to come in as the curator and host of mm-hmm. such important programs. But what I would try to bring out is that maybe Trump is not so great for Israel. In mm-hmm. other words, and I'm not talking about being Peter Beinart. I'm talking about even if you believe that. This Listen, you saw the thing a few days ago, uh, the Rosh Shiva of Yeshivat Haaretzion, Rav Moshe Lichtenstein. Um, I don't know if you saw this. He came out with a, you know, almost like I mean, it's a fighter and brimstone. I don't know, a very strong um, anti-Trump, um, very strong anti-Trump um, position. What was it based um, on? Um, he argued for you know, kind of moral fitness and leadership and shaping of the uh, kind of like ethos of a country. Um, 
as opposed and, and he contrasted it with like you know kind of Jerusalem embassy you know he thought that's not a very big deal and whatever I mean you can take a look he, he it was actually very it's interesting I'm gonna it's an interesting um, kind of approach definitely did not feel like the typical thing you're hearing um, in kind of mainstream Orthodox world uh, I didn't see it but I guess part of the point is is that the type of aggressive grub ridiculous um, you know sometimes you know obscene behavior yeah. of, of Trump uh, causes um, a, a a sense that every head of state can act this way and that in general leadership throughout the world is somehow affected when you have such a vulgar man uh, and yes, maybe th- uh, and therefore the leadership in that and that somehow is absorbed even by leaders in Israel as well was that part of Moshe Lifkenstein's point yes I believe it was and I believe he sees um, Bibi as being uh, of a kind in other words, yes, Bibi brings uh, Trump, in, and you, you hear this from the liberal left as well, mm-hmm. that, that Bibi is just a Republican, that uh, Trump brings out the worst demons within him. So if we have a more stable person, and maybe a corrupt person, but at least a, a stable, feeling, emotionally normal person uh, like Biden or Kamala Harris, that will be better for Eric Sestrel in the long run. That's what um, I believe. Again, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I think that more or less, that's uh, that was the basic uh, kind of tenor of the approach. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, as you say, it's almost a. Um, I, I think the two issues. I think the moving of the embassy, to me, was sort of like a, you know, I shrug at that because yes. because the Israelis all believe Jerusalem is their capital. You know? Yeah. I think the, uh, the, the, the amount of time. Trees. The peace that, treaties that are more is, substantive. Yeah, yeah. That is, that's a big deal. And I, I think I, I think that is something that, and again, I have a program, and, I, and we're going to wind up here right now, but I have a yeah. program with Rabbi Pupko out of Montreal, and he believes that when Biden gets elected, and it looks like that's going to happen, um, Biden will understand the real politic of that, or at least his advisors will, that the peace treaty with Bahrain and the UAE and Sudan shows that it's not all about the Palestinians. Yes, that, I, that, I, I ha- yeah, awesome. If Biden is elected, and like you know, so I'm not as I'm not as certain as you are that that's going to happen. But you know, I really have no idea what's going to happen. Um, if Biden is elected, I would be surprised if that sort of like you know that that trend was rolled back in any way. I think that because you know, that's really- going to be it. It'll be an enduring legacy of, uh, of Trump. Of Trump of, it'll yeah. be an enduring legacy of Trump's foreign policy in the Middle East. I think it's something I, I, that's I, uh, to be. You, you know, have to. You, yeah. Trump and Jared, whoever did it, I don't know who did it, but that was. Yeah, no, it's a big deal. Big deal. Major, I think, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, it's certainly, you know, a, a major, major accomplishment, epochal. Right, right. In the sense that, you know, again, it's. It, <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.